are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you this week from Philadelphia, where I'm here doing some training with my teammates at Insignium. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work, and it's an extension of the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last, say, 13 years. It's also a complement to the work that I do at Insignium, which is a global management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a moment, but first let me say thank you to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. If you don't know them, they are the leading locally focused job board in the nation, and they are dedicated to helping employers find quality in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search, so they are able to work close to home. Good partnership for me. Thanks, Jobbing.com. For this week's conversation with me are two guests. I have with me Dr. Jorge Corona, who is a board-certified ophthalmologist subspecializing in oculoplastic and orbital surgery with Oculoplastic Associates of Texas. And if he's, I've said any of that wrong, you can correct me. And also with us is Michelle Hollander, who is the development director of Helps International. They both join me today from Dallas, Texas. Dr. Corona and Michelle, it's great to have you with me. Welcome to the Working on Purpose program. Thank you, Elise, for having us. Yeah, You're thank welcome. Thank you very much for the invitation. Absolutely. Let me first say for our listeners, we have these people are incredibly talented people, and we're doing this conversation today in English, which is their second language. Last week when we were together in Guatemala, of course, we were mostly working in in, in Spanish, but today you'll get to hear their, their version of, of English, which is amazing, but I want you to understand that it is their second language, so be aware of that as we go through. So um, to get us started here, I, I think it's helpful for each of you to be able to introduce yourself to our listeners so that they understand your respective roles and the kind of work that they do, and especially, Dr. Corona, if I have mispronounced any of your specialties, then you can set me straight. So maybe, Michelle, will you go first? Yes, thank you, Elise. Uh, well, hi, my name is Michelle Hollander, and I am the Development Director for Helps International. Helps is a nonprofit that's been working in Guatemala for the past 30 years, helping the unserved people of the country in the highlands with medical missions, stoves, which I will explain later, um, corn program, and education. So it's an integrated approach to bring people out of poverty. I have been working for Helps for 14 years, and I came from Guatemala with my two children to work here in the state. Wonderful. And I know a little bit about your story, and I want to hear a little bit more about that in just a second. But first, let me let Dr. Corona introduce himself so we know a bit about his background. Yes, hello. Good evening, everyone. Thank you, um, Alice, for the invitation. Uh, my name is uh, Jorge Corona. I'm an ophthalmologist. I trained in ophthalmology at Texas Tech University, originally from Mexico, and then I did a further training in a subspecialty called oculoplastic surgery which is an ophthalmology specialty that takes care of eyelids, orbital, and lacrimal problems. And I did that training in Canada, and I've been practicing in Dallas for the last nine years in a private practice called Oculoplastic Associates of Texas. And I joined Helps International about six years ago, going with them on mission trips. And we can uh, discuss that a little further. Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Corona. Um, for, for our listeners, let me also say that we, and we enjoy a listenership all over the world thanks to Voice America. This is Internet Radio, so anybody with an Internet connection can listen live as we're on right now, or they can join the podcast later. So who knows where our listeners are coming from today, and um, all the more reason that we never know what time zone they're going to be when they actually catch the show. Um, and I want you to also understand, listeners, that the reason I wanted to have these two guests on, one, I'm a big fan of what Helps International does. I think it's doing really, really important work that really does change the lives of people uh, that they actually serve. And two, um, I think that the kind of work that, that we get to do as volunteers is an illustration of ways that we can augment how we experience our work or our meaning in work and our lives. So those are the, the real big reasons I wanted to have these two guests on the show. Plus, they're just really amazing people. Um, and then we'll also be sharing a bit about the medical mission that the three of us were just on last week here as we go through. 
Um, before we, we get into the next thing, I do want to call out something really special that's happening for both of them this week, and they both know that I'm going to talk about this, but um, uh, Michelle, as you heard her say, is originally from Guatemala, and Dr. Corona is originally from Mexico, if I have that right, and both of them are becoming U.S. citizens this week. So what's it like for the two of you to, to become citizens? Well, um, for me, it's it's a dream come true. I came with, uh, I have two sons, and I came with them 14 years ago with a hope, a dream, and uh, just becoming U.S. citizens. This is the best country in the whole world, what they have to offer. And working with volunteers from this country, it has been amazing. The power of giving of the people of the United States is it's unmeasurable. So for me and for my children, it's a blessing to be a U.S. citizen. Mm. And for you, Dr. Corona? Ever since I was a child and my parents took me for the first time to the United States to Disneyland when I was about 12 years old, I told my, my dad, uh, I want to live in this country, and he said, well, if you work hard, I'm sure you can make it uh, a dream someday. So tomorrow, after uh, about 20 years of uh, of uh, studying and working hard, uh, it's going to be a dream come true, so I couldn't be happier. Oh, well, congratulations to you both. We are a better place, a better country for, for the two of you joining us as citizens. Thank it's you. really, really exciting to, one, get to know you as people and now know that you're, you're now one of us as well. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, next, I think it would be helpful for our listeners to understand a little bit about how, how HELPS International got started. I got a little bit of that story myself, of course, when I got a chance to interview you some time back for some of our other activities that we had around your gala, etc. But will one of you, or however you want to do this, tell us a bit about how HELPS got started and what does it do to serve the people of Central America? You said something a bit already, Michelle, but a bit more background would be great. Yes, um, HELPS has, it's a U.S. 501c3 nonprofit based here in Dallas. Um, the founder of HELPS, Mr. Steve Miller, is a businessman, a very successful businessman, and he was invited to Guatemala 30 years ago to invest um, his money, but during that time, Guatemala was going through a civil war, and during this war, uh, they got a big group of American bankers and investors to go visit the country, and they took them to the highlands. Obviously, the country being in a war, Steve Miller said, I don't have any interest in investing my money here, but I have two best friends who are surgeons. One is a hand surgeon, and the other one was a dentist. And um, the, the three of them went back to Guatemala a week afterwards, and they went to the highlands, and they had a chance to visit a refugee camp. And what they saw there broke their hearts. Children were dying because there was no food, no water. And that's how the medical missions for help started, really, on a vision on helping and uh, helping others that had nothing. And today, HELPS has been called the largest medical relief for the people in the highlands. Guatemala is a beautiful country that has been hit by the Civil War, which I already said. Civil War ended 10 years ago, but still the poverty levels in, the, in that country, a third world country, are unmeasurable. So um, that's how HELP started, by a vision. And then it developed into other integrated programs of... Uh, the still program, the doctors started doing this small medical missions, and they were at 10, 20 doctors, surgeons, uh, nurses, medical mission. Today, it's 125 people per mission. And when they, the doctors were putting the patients uh, under anesthesia, they saw that it was too hard for the patients to fall asleep compared to the U.S., and they were seeing too many burns, too many children with problems in the eyes, hands, little children's hands burned as well. And the main cause of this problem was the open fires. In the third world country, people cook on open fires in their homes in a one-room bedroom with dirt floor. They cook on these three-stone fires. Uh, and that's the reason why the children fell, the women had hernias had upper respiratory problems and helps develop the self-contained stove where the smoke is gotten out of the house through a pipe. Um, since it's a self-contained, there's no more open fires, so there's no more fires. And the beauty of it, which is one of my the main concerns for me in women empowerment, 
is that women do not have to go out to the fields to cut wood, walk hours, carry loads of wood on their shoulders because it only uses 30% of the wood instead of 100% in an open fire. So there's also the deforestation factor that is being put in place. So um, that's the stove problem, program from HELPS. And then having this to programs, they saw education, the need in education. So HELPS opened a school in the Highlands in the most remote area. And now it's a school that teaches children Spanish, English, and their nat- natural language, which is Kikchi. So when they get on a sixth grade, they're trilinguals. So that's the third program of HELPS. And then the men were saying, well, there's still it for women, health care about us. So the corn program teaches the men how to, corn, to plant corn with the right uh, fertilizers, the right way on putting the seeds, not three seeds on a whole, but just one seed. So with this program, men increment the yields of corn up to 400%. So men have money, residual money in their pockets. Women are healthy. So it's the whole circle. That's why I said it's an integrated approach of the four programs bringing people out of poverty in the most remote areas of this country, beautiful country, Guatemala. Well, what a beautiful rendition, Michelle. Um, again, I, as, I, as you both know, and now that our listeners know too, I really am a big fan of Helps International and the work they're doing. When I think about the huge amount of impact you and the organization have had over these last 30 plus years, it's just incredibly humbling and really kind of brings tears to my eyes when I think about the kind of work that um, you as an organization have been doing. So again, one of the reasons that I wanted to bring you on the show is because what we know about people in the United States, especially in other parts of the world as well, is that they are they're purpose-starved. So being able to connect with a purpose and a mission like what HELPS offers is one of the things that I know a lot of people hunger for. And if we, if we can help them find a way to integrate that into the work that they do somehow as an outlet or an extension or something, a project or whatever, then that's part of the reason that I wanted to also have you on the show. So what you just narrated was incredibly helpful for us to understand just really what the organization does to change lives. So thanks, Michelle. Um, well, the next thing I... Go, did you want to say something else, Michelle? Sorry, go ahead. Yes, I'm sorry. And, and I forgot to, to mention, uh, saying on the purpose, uh, all of these projects are volunteer-based, so HELPS cannot do it all by their own. Our medical mission trips and our um, stove teams that we install are with the volunteers, and that gives them a purpose. So I'm sure we're going to talk about that, but I want to, the public to know that these programs are not only made by the the people of Helps in Guatemala, but the big U.S. volunteer base going down to Guatemala. Mm-hmm. That is important for people to understand, absolutely. In other words, there's ways to get involved. <laughs> um, so let me also ask this next, and I'll ask Dr. Corona first on this one is, but I want to understand really how it was that you got involved with HELPS. I think one of the things that happens with people and volunteer opportunities is they, is they don't know how to plug in. They don't know how to get involved. I heard you say something about doing missions for the last six years, Dr. Corona, but how did you initially get involved with HELPS? Um. Ever since I finished my training in Canada about 15 years ago, every year I've been going on different uh, mission trips around the world in China, uh, Mexico, and other places. And a lot of places they do really, really good work. But what drew me to health was um, they asked me to go to a fundraising event here in Dallas. I went to the event, and... um, I heard more about the organization, but what I liked was several things. Number one, they were extremely organized. Number two, they have a, 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 a group in Guatemala that supports the uh, groups from the United States. For example, if I operate on somebody in Guatemala and they need further care or they need a follow-up, we have a medical director in Guatemala who will see those patients. If I have a patient in one of my teams that they need to be seen by another team, we refer them directly to the other teams, and the other teams do the same. So when I saw how organized they were and that they keep as much as we can the U.S. standards of care, we never take expired medications, we never take expired supplies, 
all the physicians that go are, uh, they need to have a current and valid medical license. Uh, board certification is not necessary, but it's a plus. And um, six years ago, they invited me to go and join one of the other teams, which I did. So I went with another team from Dallas, and I saw how organized and they, how put, they put together the team. Because if you imagine, we have to bring about 100 or 100-plus volunteers in different areas. We need to bring the doctors, but a doctor without an OR nurse doesn't work, or an, a doctor without a scrub tech, you cannot do surgery. So you have to think of every single aspect of a, of a team to, to function, including uh, uh, cleaning people, including uh, what we call MacGyvers to help us sort out like the, the, the equipment that may not be functioning well, just like in a regular hospital in the United States. So I went with them twice, and then uh, uh, um, Michelle Hollander asked me to say, why don't we create a, a team? And I said, uh, well, I think after going with another uh, organization twice, we, we, we certainly can do the one. And we, we created uh, our team about four years ago. We just came back, as, as, uh, as you were saying, uh, last uh, Sunday, so it's only three days before we came back. And we had a very successful uh, trip. We saw close to 1,300 patients and did 130 surgeries. Wow. With Hold that line, if you would, Dr. Corona. I'm sorry. We need to go on a quick break. I want to get more of that Absolutely. information after the break, plus how Michelle got connected. But it is time for our first break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Dr. Jorge Corona, who is an ophthalmologist subspecializing in octopoloplastic and orbital surgery with the Octopoloplastic Associates of Texas. And also with us is Michelle Hollander, who is the development director of HELPS International. We've been talking a bit about their backgrounds, how they got involved with HELPS, and what the organization does. After the break, we're going to get into what we were actually doing on that mission. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you in your own driver's seat? Tune in to a program that will get you there based on what others have managed to do through challenges in their lives and how they persevered. Tune in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. On our show, we use real issues and experts to help you reclaim your life. Danielle and her guests are here to steer you in the right direction. Make sure that you are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to harness your power. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. If you're just joining us, my guests are Dr. Jorge Corona, who is a board-certified ophthalmologist, and also Michelle Hollander, who is a development director at Helps International. They join us today from Dallas, Texas. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Picking up where we left off there, we heard how Dr. Corona got connected with Helps and what his impressions were that led him to stay connected. Michelle, will you say a little bit about how it was that you originally got connected with Helps? 
Yes, uh, Alice, as uh, you mentioned uh, at the beginning, I've been living here in the state for 14 years, and um, I had the chance to meet uh, the president and founder of Help Steve Miller, and he said that he needed someone to be the liaison between Guatemala and the U.S., uh, and he thought that it was the perfect job for me being in Guatemala and living in the States. Uh, so I started 14 years, and um, it's been great because in Guatemala there was not the spirit of giving and volunteering. So by being the liaison between my country and the U.S. and the volunteers here, that's how this teams have also been growing. And the people in Guatemala are now joining a nonprofit, which was not in the traditional style of the country's uh, society. So um, that's literally how I got involved by when I met Mr. Steve Miller, and he told me that this was the perfect job for me, which really is. Mm. And, of course, I've gotten to see you in action, Michelle. I think you are a wonderful ambassador to Guatemala and for Guatemala and vice versa to the United States. And so, and I really am impressed that you've been able to, um, you know, develop this program here in the United States so that Americans and people across the world, frankly, can be involved in the various work that HELPS does and the fact that you've been able to instill a sense of volunteership in a country that it, that did, where it didn't exist before. I think that, I hope that you're really, really proud of that. I think it's wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. So, so next, um, I want to bring us into that medical mission. I want our listeners to understand what it's actually like to get to serve and be part of this medical mission here. It was my first time, and I thank the both of you for inviting me to be part of the mission. I had an incredible experience, and I absolutely plan to return if you'll have me. And I want to help our, our listeners understand a bit about, first, just even how it is that you, you form the, the, the mission teams. I heard you say that there was about 125 of us on the team. I know that there were, we were from about 15 or 16 different countries. We all had different jobs. So first, what does it take to actually create a team? Yeah. Well, if, if um, let me tell you on the side, I work uh, on health as well. So this, uh, Jorge and I are the team leaders for one of health's 10 medical missions. Health takes per year 10 medical missions, and Jorge and I decided four years ago to put together this group. So um, this year, was uh, we broke records on everything, on the amount of volunteers we brought, on the amount of surgeries we did, on the amount of people we saw. Um, so every year has been growing and growing. The first year, it was as every new project. There were some challenges. We didn't know enough doctors, and uh, we didn't have enough nurses. So uh, we sat down together with Jorge and decided... We needed to get a big sponsor, and thank God we got AMN Healthcare, and they stood up to the plate. Uh, this is a company that uh, puts uh, has traveling nurses and traveling doctors throughout the U.S., and they sponsored 10 clinicians to come on our mission trip. And um, I'll tell you later about the STO program that also came with the medical mission. So um, AMN was key factor for our team to be as successful as it is because by them sponsoring the team, we were able to have a a solid small team the first year. And then it kept on growing and growing. And um, this year we were fortunate to have 12 surgeons. And like Jorge was explaining, each surgeon needs to have its own OR nurse, its own scrub deck, its own nurses that work around them. And Jorge is going to explain more on this because obviously I'm not the surgeon he is. But, uh, so we have to have, for every surgeon, we have to have a whole team to support the surgeon. So we start to put the team together six or seven months in advance. We send the invitation letter. Obviously, Elise, you will be invited next year. You were a jewel on the team. You stood up to the plate because we have, since the patients come in, we have to have triage. And triage is the first contact a patient has with the team, and at least this trip with a triage leader, never being a triage leader in a triage setting, did an amazing job. So that's how a team comes about. We invite people to join us if they accept. They get training on the spot, the people that have never done it, and and the surgeons meet other people that come on the team. So six months, seven months in advance, we start inviting people. We get acceptances, and uh, every volunteer has to pay $2,300 to join the team. So 
So they have to start also doing their fundraiser, fundraising if they don't have the money available. So that's the first part. Then, um, as a team leader, my position is to raise the funds for the medicines and the supplies. And as Jorge said, we would never bring into the, to the country any medicines or supplies that are expired. So we have to buy everything um, to be to bring to Guatemala. So we do fundraisers. Like I said, AMN has been amazing, and they helped us get a grant from McKesson, which is uh, a provider for meds and supplies. So we, this year we got, this is the second year we get a big grant from them to get the medicines, the supplies. And then we start putting, like, a hospital, all the key people together. We have different departments on the team, we get we have the surgeons, then we have the scrub techs, then we have the OR nurses, then the recovery nurses, then the PACU, which is after surgery where they go to recover. So we have to have every single department staff, and we have a leader for each department. So the leader has been so helpful for the team because once we have the team full of people, each leader gets the contact information of the persons that are going to be in their, in their group. So they contact them, and they have many teams of recovery nurses, OR nurses, etc. And then uh, they, they, they get in contact. So for me, it's such a huge help to have the surgical team leaders, so the doctors, doctors the, the surgeons. Then we have clinicians. This year we had 11 clinicians, so we have um, the leader of the clinician, so they talk about the cases they're going to see, what they need. So everything starts getting together until a month before it gets crazy. We start getting all the medicines. We start getting all the supplies. We have to put them in a safe place, a place that's not hot because we're in Dallas, and by then it's 100 degrees. So we put them, we, this year, Dr. Corona lent us his garage. So he's going to put his car inside. So we had all the medicines, all the supplies. And then once we had all this, the packing starts, which is also crazy because we have to bring to the country with us all the meds and the supplies for a hospital to work. So each volunteer is allowed to bring a personal bag, and we give them a bag with all the supplies and all the meds to bring to Guatemala after we pack them. So that's how we put a team together. Mm, an incredible amount of work. Um, now, before we get into just the, the highlights, I want you to each share a little bit about what you got to experience, but I do think it's important for our listeners, and we have a, we have a nice um, kind of a grouping of listeners that are individuals that listen for their own career and professional development, and we have lots of people from corporate who listen in to get some ideas about how to develop their people within their organization, et cetera. Um, so I'm interested also, Michelle, if you can just say a bit. I mean, I know that AMN Healthcare is one of your big sponsors and partners, um, I would think that there are that there, it would be interesting for some of our listeners to understand how they as an organization might want to partner with you or work with you to help support your initiatives. How do you work with your, with your sponsors and your partners? Yes, Elise, and that is extremely important. For us as teams, obviously, the resources, but for our corporation, we were very lucky to get Susan Salka, the CEO of this Fortune 500 company called AMN, to be part of the team. So when we approached her four years ago to be, if, to offer them to be part of, of Team Esperanza, um, she immediately jumped in. She said she was going to sponsor 10 people, but the 10 people were sponsored within her company. So what she does with the company, she has somebody putting out, they have thousands of volunteers, so they invite their, their people in their corporation, their employees, to join. They have to go through a process, through a screening process, so she gets hundreds or thousands of applications. They go through these applications and send them to us, and we choose them. And um, so the corporate part of this is, uh, Susan says, is the best money that she's invested in her employees, because there's a corporate culture that she said she would have never gotten because once they go there, they're all working towards a purpose. It's not per personal gain, but it's a gain above them, which then when they come back, everybody's talking about what they all did as a team, and year after year, it grows and grows. So one of the beauty of this is in, that happened this year is that AMN sponsored 
visits many clinicians throughout the year, and now they are coming, paying their own way down, not being sponsored because they love what they do, but they also love the company that was behind them. So, so the employee morale is huge in this company. So, and and also having the CEO join and, and the CEO's husband join, and the marketing director and the finance director. So here you have your top pyramid of your your organization working side by side with people that they would never see the people in their warehouses, and they're. Just same individuals working to a goal. And for me, this year, I saw it more clearly than ever. The power of the volunteers, whenever they have a goal in front, they all get together hand by hand and work. And they're all the same level individuals. There's no titles. There's no seniority. We're all humans working towards something that needs to get done. Oh, I think that is beautiful, Michelle. And I think for people that are listening from a corporate vantage point or an organizational vantage point, there's some, some real gems to pick up there about how to be able to offer something like this to, to employees as a, maybe a benefit or a perk so that they have access to something that really does literally allow them to change their lives while they change others. And I, I think that is probably something that would not be immediately obvious to maybe some of our listeners if we didn't call that out specifically. So you did that beautifully, Michelle. Thank you. Um, we have a little bit more time before we go on a break, probably another five minutes or so. So let's start if we can. I'd love to hear from each of you, and we'll carry it over after the next break as well, about just some of the magic that you experienced on this trip. I mean, we really did change lives. And I'd love to hear from each of you to what extent that you can while, while we protect our patients' privacy, et cetera, um, just really what it is that you saw and got to experience. Um, uh, Dr. Corona, will you go first? Yeah, well, thank you. And for your listeners who uh, don't know the extent of the work you did uh, now during the trip, uh, Elise um, was in charge of uh, registering the uh, patients and directing them into within the clinics that they were going to be seeing. And and then uh, I do also want you at the end of the show to to tell your your listeners of of the joy of the patients experiencing that that they are finally going to be able to be seen. Um, yeah. A little bit of um, of what happened on when we arrived to Guatemala. So we fly from the United States. Uh, we fly on different planes. You know, some people fly from Dallas, Miami, L.A. We all meet in Guatemala uh, on a Saturday, and on Sunday morning we go on on, uh, on the road trip about six hours from Guatemala City. So we set to the, we get to the hospital and we start setting it up to be able to perform surgeries the next day. But we start to, to we need to start seeing patients that evening. The night we arrive on Sunday, it was raining. It was raining really, really hard. And uh, I stepped outside of the compound where we we, we were going to be working all week, and the patients were just standing outside in the rain and this heavy, heavy rain with their sort of, of umbrellas they had and, and, and ponchos to, to try to cover themselves. And it was so, uh, it was such a mystic moment. It was just such a difficult uh, time to, you know, we don't, you know, we are, we're always under a roof here in the United States. And um, we, you know, if it's raining, you just go inside. If you go to a hospital to see your doctor, we, you never think that you're going to be soaking wet waiting just to see them. But some of these patients had walked for, for um, sometimes days or hours just to be there to be seen. And um, in a fairly organized way, we started talking to them, and we started selecting the first uh, cases we were going to operate. But just that scene of the, of, the, of the heavy rain and the patients waiting to, 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 to be um, evaluated, it's something that I will, I will always remember. And... We have uh, different patients that we we can uh, 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 you know really remember from this past week, but a couple of moms that we we operated on their children, and uh, there was you know just like any uh, any other mother in the in the world, and they just want the best for their kids. And now that they finally had the opportunity for those children to be to be seen and and be uh, taken care of, it was it was priceless for them. Um, the surgeries I did on some of these children are is a droopy eyelid surgery, and actually one of my patients asked me today, "Well, isn't that considered just cosmetic surgery? Not in a child. If a child if a child has a droopy eyelid that is interfering with his vision, 
that kid may never develop its full visual potential. And uh, so it's important to operate on this on these kids before they don't develop their full visual potential. And so the mothers were very appreciative of that. We also had the opportunity of um, with uh, through our general surgeons to operate on on, uh, on children who have hernias, and it's important for them because otherwise they cannot play or they cannot just uh, uh, function. So we this is the year that we operated more children than any other year before. And uh, I think any any patient, you know, it it deserves the best we can we can provide for them. But but I think we all have a special place in our hearts for children. I would agree. Let me stop you there if I can, Doctor Dr. Corona. It's uh, time for another break already. They they come so fast. We're talking about interesting stuff. So hold that thought. We'll talk more about, a bit about this after the break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Dr. Jorge Corona, who is a board-certified ophthalmologist, and also with Michelle Hollander, who is a development director at Helps International. Uh, we'll talk more a bit about that, about this actual mission and what it was that we got to experience and do after the break. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning Healthy Living Power Hour. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. If you're just tuning in, my guests are Dr. Jorge Corona, who is a board-certified ophthalmologist with Plastic Associates of Texas, and also Michelle Hollander, who is the development director of Helps International. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Before the break, Dr. Corona was sharing a bit about um, the experience of being on the, on the mission and some of the things that we got to do as a team. Uh, while we were on the break, we were talking, the three of us, um, we would love to share just one of the stories, just to kick us off here, that touched all of us, I think really was representative of the kinds of major life change that happen on these missions. Um, and so, Dr. Corona, if you could talk about the, the, the woman who had the eye tumor that you operated on. Uh, sure. And uh, for the listeners, uh, it's hard to um, describe, but essentially this is a, a very nice uh, patient who one of the volunteers from HELPS uh, identified in one of the, um, uh, of the trips and that they were doing around the country, and she has an extremely, extremely large tumor that was pushing the eye out and down, and uh, even though she had vision in that eye, it was 
it was extremely, extremely large, and and people were afraid of even looking at her. They sent me a picture of her before we went on the trip, and as, after I looked at the picture, I said, I may be able to help her, but like I said earlier, we needed to follow standards of care, so I said, we need to get some imaging, like a CT scan or MRI done. And uh, the help volunteers told me it was going to be about 400 to to $1,000 U.S. dollars to get one, and I said, well, "Well, you know, if we don't have the money, we'll just find a way to pay for it." But Michelle Hollander, through her volunteers in Guatemala, found a, 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 an imaging center that would do it for free. So, long story short, she had the scans. Once we got to Guatemala, we assessed the patient: extremely large tumor, one of the biggest ones I've seen inside the orbit. But uh, that didn't conclude my, my investigation of what was going on with her. I sent all the scans to a neuroradiologist, who is a radiologist that specializes in, in imaging of the brain and the orbit, and that is board certified in that area, to confirm what I was suspecting, that it was a benign tumor that it could potentially be removed safely. I explained to the patient that we could definitely go to, do the surgery with the kind of tools we had there and the expertise, and I had the help of two other surgeons, and between the three of us, in a, in a, a three-hour surgery, we were able to remove the tumor. About two days later, when we removed the dressings and the patch, the, the, uh, it was a very, uh, very touching moment when, even though she was still swollen from the surgery, when we removed the patch, she could see as, as good as she can, and she was just extremely grateful because uh, all every doctor that she had uh, seen before told her that it, this is something that could not be done. And um, like I said, in a safe way with all the technology that we could get and all the, the right people and the right equipment and the right team, we were able to do it in Guatemala. And our medical director in Guatemala will see her in about two weeks. We have her, her phone number. And then uh, if she has any problems, she will contact us. And just for your listeners to know that in Guatemala, there's 14 million people, but there's about 36 million cell phones. Everybody may not have a physical address, but they do have a cell phone, which has made our work easier to, to follow up and communicate with our patients. But that's the story on this, on this, uh, on the, on this beautiful patient. So two things for that to follow up on. Um, one, I think it's important that our listeners understand, um, this patient and those that we serve are not paying anything for their care. Is that right? Correct. No, no, Okay, no, that's no, really no, no. important that our listeners understand that. So the people that are coming to get service, to get help and treatment, are coming because they don't have any, many times they don't have any other options. They don't have money, money is available, they don't have access to care, and so help is oftentimes a last stop for them. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. So what I'll just chime in on, and then I want to give Michelle a chance to chat as well, but I I had also the chance to interact with this patient and just spend a little bit of time with her and her niece that was there to care for her and just talk with her a little bit and enjoy her. And on Friday when we discharged her, um, I already said my goodbyes to her and, 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 uh, Told her, uh, wished her a, a good a good life, and I'm so glad that we got to cross paths, and went on my merry way to to also leave and join the bus. And about a half an hour after that, I felt this little hand on my back, and I turned around, and there she was, now standing, fully standing, and she wrapped her arms around me and hugged me so tightly, and it was I was so moved by that that literally, as you both know, I spent the the next two hours just crying about it. It was such a beautiful moment. So. I'm not going to cry now. I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> but it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. And I, it's important that our listeners just really understand how much we as volunteers get to be moved by changing others' lives in, in, in the process of changing theirs. So, ah, beautiful, beautiful example of service and what we get in return as volunteers oftentimes that we don't expect. Correct, yes. Um, Michelle, um, thoughts from your vantage point or what, any special memories or a, a case that you could think of that you want to share with our listeners? Yes, um, Elise, and uh, I just want to reiterate um, the point that you made that we do change thousands of lives of the people of Guatemala. So 
but we are also changing the lives of the volunteers. Um, it is amazing that 80% of the volunteers that go down on these missions come back year after year. And the reason is because they have felt something that they had never encountered before. I, I just got back today from Guatemala, and my son and I just had a quick lunch. And he says, Mom, are you happy for what you did? I said, you know, I feel my heart full of joy. It's, it's, it's an, a, 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 I cannot even describe the happiness. Um, it's been really hard work, and, and the volunteers, I'm amazed of their strength, their resilience. They have to sleep in cots. They have to eat hospital food, which is not bad, but the food was, it was okay. But the way that they give care for other people, because they're not thinking about them, makes them want to come back. So we're changing lives both of the patients but of the volunteers. And they could take a vacation anywhere else, but many nurses, many doctors would rather go back and spend their vacation time and their vacation money on doing a mission trip or than going to the same beach. I'm sure that resorts would love 80% of their people to go back year after year. That's what we have with the volunteers, the return volunteers, because it feels good. You're doing something good for others. So it's it's not selfish, but in a sense it is selfish because you want to experience that feeling again year after year. So um, having said that, I, I want to share that in this trip, uh, the volunteers, like 20% of the volunteers were Guatemalan, which is something that is great. This was the first year that we had a Guatemalan uh, doctor join the team. He was um, a dermatologist, and today he told me that he wants to come back. Now he wants to bring uh, another doctor with him. He's willing to pay for his meds and the equipment. So it's incredible to see now the country, Guatemala per se, people joining this mission. And I want to invite also your listeners, if they want to join One Medical Mission, to look us up. And, and if this is something that moves them or something that they would like to do, we would love to have them. My goal is to have 36 mission trips in the next 10 years. We have 10, but the need is so big, and you saw it. And we all know we left patients without being seen. We were there while week. And that's the only regret I have. We were not able to see amount of people and I would have liked to, but obviously we cannot stay there forever. So we need more medical teams to attend to these people because sadly the government is not providing any health care to these people in the highlands. Yeah. I, I, yeah, so I will, we will give the website here toward the end, and, and if, if you have an email or a phone number you want them to call, we'll definitely call that out just toward the end of the show as well, Michelle. But also, in our short time left, I do want to also share with our listeners um, one of the other cases that I saw come through. The fact that we serve 1,300 patients is just mind-boggling, but uh, I did follow the cases of a few working from the triage front. And the other one that I wanted to say something about was there was a 13-year-old girl that came in for, um, she wanted cleft palate surgery. She um, uh, she really did have um, a need for it, and I guess she'd been waiting for it for some time. And when she did arrive there in triage, I remember distinctly being the one whose step she arrived on, and I said, I'm so, so sorry. We are booked for surgeries. We can't take you this time for surgery. And But let's have you talk with one of the doctors, and let's just sort of see what we, maybe there's a way for us to slot you into the next jornada, you know, who knows, and but let's just at least try. And lo and behold, you all had a cancellation, and she got her surgery. Um, you know, when I first told her that we didn't have a space for her, she sat there and cried her eyes out, and her, her grandfather was with her, and they were just heartbroken. And then the fact that we were actually able, you were all able to move the dials, clear the space, and make it happen for her really is a game changer for her. And I don't know of how much each of you got a chance to work with her, but um, did either of you get a chance to work with her? I, I didn't. I I was. Uh, a, we have uh, fortunately this year we have two uh, outstanding uh, uh, plastic surgeons from Dallas, um, uh, Sumit and Stephanie Teotia, uh, who are husband and wife, and they're just phenomenal, phenomenal uh, physicians and, and 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 incredible, incredible people. But they were the ones who, even though they were really tired, they had been working really hard, and. Um, I just heard that you know they were they had a cancellation and they 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 had this uh, patient you were talking about, 
and uh, she needed she had a, like a, a cleft uh, lip, and they were able to to you know say, well, we're here, we can do this, and let's let's do it. And then uh, you know everybody got the ball rolling, and and it's not just the surgeons who want to do an extra case; it's the scrub techs, the circulators, the uh, the person. The people who clean the instruments, the people who clean the OR, so one extra surgery requires pretty much the whole team to say, okay, we are going to do this as a team. And I remember her, I was not personally involved with her care, but I do remember the story, and I had a chance to talk to uh, her family a little bit, and they were just incredibly grateful for, for the opportunity, though. Yeah, it really is a life changer for her. Uh, really, the course of her life will be completely and, ir- and, and irrevocably al- altered because of that. And um, truly magical and miraculous for me to get to behold it and meet her and talk with her af- before and after, frankly. So an example of some of the amazing work that we, that we got to be part of and, and behold and witness. Um, in our last bit of time together here, I would love it if we could chat just a little bit here. I, I want to bring this back here, the integration piece. You know, we've, uh, Dr. Corona, you are a practicing ophthalmologist here in Dallas, and I know when you and I left the airport on Sunday, you told me that you had eight surgeries to do on Monday. Um, so just really quick here, maybe like in about, you know, 30 seconds or so, could you just sort of say, you know, how it is it that do you see this mission work connecting with the work that you do full-time? Well, it's very hard to come back um, to the States and then leaving all these people we couldn't help. But, you know, our patients here also require uh, our full attention. And uh, it's because I have the opportunity to live in this country that I can go and do mission work in other places. Uh, but it's always such a, such a good feeling to come back. And then getting more people involved so we can create, like Michelle is saying, more teams in the future. And, and you said earlier that... Uh, you, you said earlier that that uh, you hope uh, you will be invited. Well, as, as as of now, if you don't come on to the, on the team, the team will be incomplete. So we expect <laughs> you next year. Okay, I'm coming. Um, well, I know we have just about 20 seconds left. I want to make sure that our listeners know how to find you. So the the um, website is helpsinternational.org. You can get there by going h e l p s i n t l dot org. And Michelle, do you have a, an email or a phone that you want them to reach out to as well? Yes, um, the phone number, you can look us at the website, but it's 972-386-2901. Again, 972-386-2901. And just ask for Help International, and they'll connect you to one of our staff, and they will gladly take your name, number, and if you want to join a team or just want to learn more about us, we're a nonprofit. We're a 501c3 established in Texas for 30 years. Wonderful. I want to thank you both. We are out of time. Thank you so much, Dr. Corona and Michelle Hollander, for joining us on the show. It was great to have you as guests. Thank you for the um, Listeners, we'll see you next week. Remember that work is one-third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.